We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back packers fans and a happy new year happy 2022 from your saturday crew of the pack a day podcast i am one of your hosts jason perone of the pack a day podcast game on wisconsin and the quick slants podcast along with paul brettel also of the Pack-A-Day podcast and Dairyland Express, Cheesehead TV, and the Packers Unrestricted podcast, and Matt Fralick of the Pack-A-Day podcast, Game on Wisconsin, and the Final Dump podcast. Gentlemen, a very happy new year to both of you in beautiful, chilly, waiting for the Vikings, Wisconsin. <laughs> Paul Brettle, happy new year. How are you doing? Happy New Year, Jason. Happy to have you back as always. And of course, I'm doing fantastic. As as usual. And Mr. Fralick, how we doing? How we looking? How's the new year treating you so far? Hey, and can't complain watching a hell of a lot of football, staying inside, staying warm. Uh, they, we keep talking about how this game's going to be cold, and we'll get to that obviously in the weather report here. But it doesn't matter to me. I probably won't be going outside till Monday when I have to go to work again. So I, <laughs> I, I don't actually care when it's a long extended week when it's cold because I don't really plan on doing anything. There you go. Well, we will get to the matchup between the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday night. Lots to talk about there. But as always, we got to talk a little bit about the weather. And one thing I have to say, it was a great year with some really cool interaction from some of our friends overseas. And it's it's been kind of a lot of fun to kind of go through some of the stuff that's going on around the globe and what, what other Packers fans are dealing with when they're watching the game. But as far east as we go today is, Paul? Um... I'm doing this on the fly. I got three of them, but I believe that would be Rob and Adelaide, Australia. Okay. So opposite of Green Bay, Wisconsin, four days of 100 and above. <laughs> um, he even said himself, complete opposite of this week's of this week's game. Next up, we got Robin Erickson. He is in Oslo where he's about to start the night shift for work. So, Robin, stay awake. Um, it's 30 degrees Fahrenheit there and very, very foggy. He wishes us a happy new year. And then we got Green Bay Packers, Sweden, um, from Stockholm, where it is 35 degrees Fahrenheit. So not too bad. It's a little bit of a little bit of a variation. Then we come stateside, and we're in the beautiful state of Wisconsin, and close to Lambeau Field. Matt Fralick, how are we looking, and how are things going to be looking on Sunday night? 
I, I just got to say, I'm, I'm very impressed that people convert from Celsius to Fahrenheit for us. Like that, people that are across the that. that's very, very nice. Because if they say it's like two degrees Celsius, I'm sitting in my brain, I'm like, what the hell does it even mean? Uh, so in on Sunday night, uh, 7.20 kickoff, it's going to be around three degrees, might feel like minus four. You asked Jason before we started, what's the wind going to be like? Eh, five to ten degree, or five to ten miles an hour, maybe gusts up to twelve. Um, I wish we had our boy Luke Sampion. I'm sure he'll have an accurate uh, report on this week, so go check his out at WFRV. But it's coldest game in history at Lambeau Field in this uh, Minnesota Vikings rivalry. So it's uh, you know, and like we've said, you know, the fans didn't want to make the trip trip across 29 minnesota fans and they gave up their tickets and it's probably because of the cold and even more so probably because of uh, a couple other things going not so well for the vikings yeah like how this game's going to turn out for minnesota vikings fans too right so exactly. then we come west here to phoenix mid 50s it's a little drabby a little bit of rain coming up this weekend uh we're gonna hit 60 next week i know nobody wants to hear it so blah 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 on we move and harry and cam loops canada <laughs> Notes, speaking of the conversion of Celsius to Fahrenheit, it is minus 40 degrees, gentlemen, minus 40 degrees. And that is the only place on the thermometer where Celsius and Fahrenheit meet. They are the same. There we go. So it's minus 40 in Kamloops, Canada, with wind chills uh, taking it down another five degrees. So just brutal and crazy. It's supposed to be warming up, as he said, but we're sitting at minus 11 with a forecast for Saturday of minus 7 or minus, minus 9. So... Doesn't does think it's going to be that warm at all. And let's not forget what Harry said. He doesn't get any sunshine <laughs> on the side of the mountain for uh-huh. probably another couple of weeks. So Oof. winter's here. It's cold. And it's going to be cold in Lambeau Field when the Packers host the Vikings on Sunday Night Football. Matt, you already alluded to it a little bit. It's been a lot of stuff that's going on on the, on the Saturday show. The first show of 2022, we're going to break down the injury report. Let's... Go ahead and dive right in there. Actually, let's start with this. So uh, the COVID reserve list, a couple more guys added to the COVID reserve list this week. The reg- the rules were changed. So now it's a, it's a five-day quarantine versus it was eight before. So that allowed some guys to return a little bit sooner. Earlier this week, we had Henry Black, Tipa Nalea. Corey Bajorquez was added to that to that list. It sounds like Tipa Nalea and Henry Black are going to be able to rejoin the team. We'll wait to hear about Corey Bajorquez. Uh, there were a couple of other other players as well who will not. And I guess, Matt, I'll kick it over to you because all of the notes that I pulled up here are injury list related, but not COVID related. So who am I leaving yeah. out? And I know Mercedes Lewis was on the list as well. So what's the latest? Yeah, no, that's that's fine, and it's been kind of it's it's nice to see uh, Tupahalea and Henry Black coming back if they had COVID this week. That's that's you know just nice to see that they're able to recover. Um, Kevin King was activated off the list. Shamar Jean Charles. Um, so that was the latest as of what would it be Friday afternoon when we're recording. So it's been crazy. Uh, Mercedes Lewis obviously was added early in the week. I'm sure everyone knows because they've been listening to Pack a Day podcast. So it's uh, MVS off. off obviously was also activated too so those are some of the bigger names but i think the 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 most recent one that's the the impact i would say is uh kevin king and i know i'm i've never lost my mind more about a punting situation probably than bj sanders was drafted with uh corey bohork was now with his covid situation but that's the one i'm still waiting on so uh covid's still running rampant uh it's just it's just the nature of the beast and you hope you don't lose anyone 
that's super significant, but I could make I would make the argument. Um, I'm sure other people agree that Bohorquez has probably been the most impactful one right now, just because you only have one punter on the damn roster. And as we talked earlier, <clears throat> Packers have not made a move yet, and it's right. already Saturday, so it would seem like things are trending towards Bohorquez kicking, and that's obviously a good thing for for the Green Bay Packers, unless the game plan is just to never punt. And I have to tell you guys, because I was not here last week, which, by the way, kudos on a great show with Luke Sampy. That was an awesome conversation that you guys had with him. For this past Christmas, I became an owner of the Green Bay Packers. And one of my first orders of business was never punt, (laughs) which the Packers decided not to heed last week. They punted five times against the Cleveland Browns. Paul, I know this is not a punter show and we have the injury report to get through, but is there any chance that the Packers just don't punt this weekend and, and make the Corey Bohorquez factor irrelevant? <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I'm with you. I would, I would be a fan of that. But I imagine, I mean, Matt LeFleur talked about it. There's a backup plan and one underrated aspect of Bohorquez being potentially out and with the new COVID protocols him being placed there Tuesday he still can potentially come back um, he's also the holder and obviously that's a very important part of the extra points and field goal snapping process so if he can't go they'll have to figure that out as well but there was a report that Green Bay did work out Johnny Townsend on Friday they did not sign him uh, he has 85 career punt attempts including 13 this season averaging 43 yards per kick so if Bohorquez can't go, I imagine that's the name that they're gonna going to call up. But I'm with you, Jason. Let's just score every drive. How about that? Yeah, just put a bunch of points up there. And there you go. Take away the run because that's what the Vikings do really well. And last game, that was one of the reasons why the Minnesota Vikings left with a victory. That and also Butterfingers from the defensive Packers defensive back. So hopefully that doesn't happen this time around so obviously a fluid situation with the with the COVID reserve list the five-day thing I think it's from a fan perspective it's great to see but obviously safety is paramount and hopefully nobody is is putting themselves in any unnecessary risk I think the Packers are probably taking care of business the way they should and being as conservative as they need to there so on the injury front Jair Alexander was activated off the injured reserve list this week as we expected that he would be the deadline came and it was either activate him or shut him down for the season and end it and he would not have a chance to return to the Green Bay Packers so Jair was activated to the roster he practiced all three days in limited fashion but he has already been ruled out for Sunday's game against the Vikings David Bakhtiari did not practice at all this week he will not play and Billy Turner did not practice at all he will not play those three Packers are out and Tyler Lancaster didn't practice well, Wednesday or Thursday, limited on Friday. He's listed as questionable. Everybody else uh, that's designated is good to go. So, guys, really not a big surprise. Jair was back, but there was never this overwhelming sense that he was going to play this week. David Bakhtiari continues not to play. So now we're down to after Minnesota, you've got one game left. And so if you're in the camp of let's get these guys in a game before the Packers start the playoffs, Detroit is the last week to do so. And I don't know what your take is on this, but there is a scenario in which the Packers may have the number one seed wrapped up before they head to Detroit next week. And that is if the Arizona Cardinals can beat the Dallas Cowboys and the Packers beat the Minnesota Vikings, Green Bay would lock up that number one seed and week 18 then becomes different and the Packers at least have some flexibility. So Paul, we'll start with you. I believe you're probably in the same camp. It's not a surprise 
that and that neither of those three guys are going to be playing against the Minnesota Vikings. But let's let's go to the concerno meter with regards to probably more David Bakhtiari than than the other three. But either of those three uh, not playing and potentially not coming back until the playoffs. Yeah, I, mean, I think in a perfect world, we'd like them to get those reps. But number one is making sure that they're 100 percent ready to go. And if that means missing some regular season snaps, then so be it at this point. The David Bakhtiari, I think we're all fairly comfortable with where Jair is at, and we expect him to see the field at some point, whether that's next week, playoffs, whenever that is. David Bakhtiari, so I I think we covered this like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, somewhere in that range, and I was very, very much not worried. And I would still say that I lean that way, although I'm starting to pay a little more attention to it because we're now at the the one-year mark. And again, that's not... That's not abnormal. Everybody handles these injuries differently. But if we start getting to following the Lions game going into the playoffs, hopefully they have that first round bye and he's still a do not or not participating in practice, that for me is going to be the mark where I go, okay, maybe there is the, you know, the, and there, I think there's always been the possibility, but the, uh, the chances of him not coming back are, or when the, the red flags are going to start going off for me. So, Overall, still trying to keep the big picture perspective. It's a year, and that I know guys come back sooner, but everyone handles these injuries differently. Um, and a year is still within reason, so trying to keep that perspective on it. And one other thing I just wanted to mention, I forgot, uh, in regards to the COVID list, is Oren Burks and Tyler Davis are both on there as well. Oren Burks has been a, a key special teams contributor. And then Tyler Davis, he's been small sample size, but a, a very good blocker for this Packers team. And they're thin at tight end right now. It was good to see that Dominic Daphne was doesn't have a designation because he was a limited participant each week. So the tight end position in Green Bay, and hopefully Lewis can come back. He has the possibility to, but the tight end position is thin. Need some good news on Big Dog for sure. And Paul, to your point, yeah, <laughs> yesterday was uh, Friday was the one-year anniversary of David Bakhtiari's unfortunate injury in practice. And yes, it's a year. And I know that that uh, we all know this, but he had a scope done and it was an unforeseen uh, part of his recovery. I think had that not happened, had that not been needed. I think David Bakhtiari's out there. Matt, David Bakhtiari uh, coming in fresh off of a year of not playing football versus the alternative of a Yash Nyman. They're not comparable players. David Bakhtiari is an all pro. Yash Nyman's an undrafted free agent who's performed OK, but I think from a standpoint of big game, big time, get over the hump, Packers want to get to the Super Bowl, I think you still feel pretty good about David Bakhtiari being out there if Billy Turner can return, and let's let Yash back them up and just kind of live off of some of the great reps that he's gotten this season. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Yeah, I think that's fine. I mean, Paul mentioned the the red flag. He's not ready to put up. I, To be honest, my red flag's been up for the last couple of weeks just because I thought he was going to come back at some point around Thanksgiving, a little bit after Thanksgiving. You mentioned the scope, which is a good reminder. I kind of forgot about that, so it set him back. And I, I, was, I guess I was just naive to the fact that I thought we'd see him back by, at the very latest, Halloween, and that just never occurred. Um, thankfully the Packers starting five, whoever that's been, has been super, super solid. You mentioned, you mentioned Yosh, like he's been, he's been incredible, but he's no David Bakhtiari. So if he comes back at some point, great. Um, and you kind of lump him and Jair together. And obviously Zedaria Smith is almost the outlier at this point. I'm kind of in the camp. Maybe it's a stupid take, but I would much, I would rather the Packers have to, um, you know, win this next week versus the Lions, which should be very, very doable, obviously, whether they have these guys or not. But I would like to see some of these dudes get some reps in with their their teammates and some continuity, whether it's with the defensive back groups with Jair or the offensive lineman with David Bakhtiari, because I I just think it's super tough to come off of you're going to more than likely get the first round by and then take a week off. And it's just like it's you don't have any of that continuity coming in. So I, I just feel like I would love it. Maybe it's selfishly that I would love to see them out in the field and get some reps in, but to see them in their first, you know, first playoff game and have two new guys back or hopefully three with Zadarius, that doesn't seem like that's going to happen at this point to me. I would like that to happen, but I mean, end of the day, I guess locking up the number one seed and not having to worry about and even resting for the overall good of the team come week 18 would probably be better than having two guys back that more than likely you can plug and play because they're just phenomenal athletes and superstars. But I guess selfishly, I'd like to see them play in week 18. But we'll get, I guess we got to wait and see because these those three injuries I mentioned, specifically Bakhtiari and Jair that are on the actual injury list have been just super strange this entire year and that's it sucks when you got superstars that you want to see on the field but you have no idea what the hell's going on one other thing i want to add in regards to bakhtiari yeah the packers are absolutely going to put the long-term future of his knee as the priority which they should there's a possibility that this might be the last dance we don't know once again the green bay packers are super bowl contenders but if there is and we know this about green bay and how just conservative they are with handling injuries. If there's 
any sort of doubt in how he feels, his knee, anything like that, they're absolutely going to put the long-term future of, of that injury, of that knee ahead of, you know, ho- hopefully what becomes another Super Bowl run. Yeah, and that's, that's a great point. And the Packers have a great history of doing that. And you don't hear guys complain about being pushed back onto the field, except for that one meathead who we will not name several years ago, who was not correct in his assessment. So, yeah, the Packers take care of their players. And I, the one thing I remind everybody about, and I say it and I sound like a broken record, is, is if David Bakhtiari can't get back and he's not on the field right now, I don't think any player in this league in his same situation would be on the field because that guy knows how to prepare. There's no lack of desire. So if he's not playing, it's for absolutely good reason. Although we'd love to have him out there. And the other thing too, guys, is, and this is more of like on a, on a personal level, it's just if the Packers are able to do something really special this year, it almost is, is equally as much of a bummer for me for him not being out there because you want your special players to be able to play. You want Zadarius, David, the guys that built the foundation of this team. It's that's what's frustrating. Tunyon not being able to be out there. It's it Elton Jenkins. That's what what's what's hard. It's the personal, it's the mm-hmm. the emotional aspect of it that, you know, they're gonna be standing on the sidelines. I remember in ninety six when I was watching the Super Bowl. And it just bummed me out that Robert Brooks is standing on the sideline videotaping everything and he wasn't able to play. He was such a big part of that team. So that's that's the other part of that, too. But if we want to Rogers even said on McAfee show this week, he wore the Bakhtiari socks one just to kind of joke around with Dave. But also he's been such a big part of all of many of the touchdowns he's thrown that he wanted him out there on the field with them. So yeah. absolutely right. Point. So the Packers look to be in pretty decent shape as far as the, the players mm-hmm. that they have available to them. This is a big divisional game. And we did learn on Friday that Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins entered the COVID protocol. He will not play on Sunday night. So this could end up being a situation where, and we've seen very important games at the end of the season where all of a sudden we find out that the starting quarterback is out. I remember a playoff game where Christian Ponder wasn't able to play and it ended up being Joe Webb. So now it's, it's Mannion. I'm blanking on his first name. Somebody help Sean. me out. Sean, Sean Mannion, who's potentially going to make his, his start against the Packers, but as we all know, it may not necessarily be the quarterback that the Packers have to worry about with regards to the Vikings offense. So if we turn to the Vikings side of the equation on the injury report, you've got quarterback Cam Dantzler is listed as doubtful with a calf injury. He didn't practice Thursday or Friday. And then listed as questionable is defensive tackle Michael Pierce. He had an illness. He didn't practice on Friday. Questionable could be the same as probable in today's world because there's no probable designation and it was an illness. Tight end Tyler Conklin, absolute fantasy stud for Paul Brettel, is listed as listed as questionable with a hamstring injury. He did practice in full on Friday. And linebacker Chaz Surat had an illness. He's listed as questionable. So the Vikings are, for the most part, pretty healthy as well coming in, but not having their quarterback unless it becomes a situation where it's it's like the NFC Championship game two years ago and, and Jimmy G only has to try to throw the ball, what, nine times? I think I think that potentially could serve the Packers well. So as far as that quick injury report there, Michael Pierce hasn't played much. And he's a big piece in the middle there 
to try to stop the run for the Green Bay Packers. And I would imagine with the temperature being as cold as it is, they're going to want to they're going to want to get Aaron Jones going. They're going to want to get A.J. Dillon going, a big guy coming downhill in the cold. That's just not something that most defensive guys want to deal with. So, Matt, starting with you, with those names listed, and really only one player that's listed as doubtful, but Cousins being out, how big of an advantage is that really, knowing that that Dalvin Cook lurks in the deep backfield? It's super. I mean, Dalvin Cook, he was kind of you know under wraps last game when they played him. Um, I want to say he got 80 yards or so. Obviously, Justin Jefferson was the highlight in that game. Two big touchdowns, 168 yards, I imagine. But I think Dalvin Cook is is that dude, and they're going to have to rely on him even more with Mannion under center. Um, I, you know, I was surprised that maybe Kellen Mund didn't get the look because Mannion – he doesn't have a win ever. Uh, I think he's, he doesn't even have any career touchdowns for the the Vikings. And it's you would think at this point he's been in the league for six years. You would think you'd give Kellen the shot. So w- w- that aside, uh, they're gonna have to rely on Delvin Cook a ton, and they've been doing that ever since he came back from an injury on Thursday Night Football versus the Steelers, and he's been rolling ever since. So whatever reps or whatever snaps he was going to get, it's kind of increased that maybe 10%, 20%, whatever the hell it would, the, the math would be. I mean, he's going to have to have an incredible game. And you look, you know, with Conklin out, or potentially not, you know, not out, but questionable with a hamstring that's that's a blow but I think Cameron Dancer's a little bit of an injury there I mean he's he's a solid guy in the secondary he's made some strides in the last couple of years um since he came in the league obviously with that the rookie class they had with the cornerbacks there he's been decent I know I think Harrison Smith had an injury uh he looks like he's got that foot and shoulder thing he'll probably go he's always a, a maniac when he plays versus the Packers him and him and Rogers always go back and forth and he's talked about that uh on McAfee just about how Harrison always pre-snap is always lurking on the line and making it tough on him. So, but I think at the end of the day, it's, it's Dalvin cook. Um, and it, that, that was their person. I think that's their best path forward, uh, to win this game. I think Justin Jefferson, he's a great player. I don't think he's going to replicate what he did in that first matchup versus them. There was a couple of fluky plays that had happened and also playing outdoors in the Lambo temperatures and weather. I think that's the, it just makes it even more apparent that you would rely on the run game more than you would on the passing game, especially with Sean Mannion under center. So um, all in all, it's it's going to be the Dalvin Cook show for me, uh, injuries aside, but obviously with Kirk Cousins out and them getting six extra points, which we were all kind of shocked by, um, it's, it's Dalvin Cook in 33 and just slow him the hell down, hopefully. Yeah. And it's still a divisional game, and the Vikings have a lot. They still have something to play for. They have to win this game. If they don't win this game, they're, they're, I, I don't know if they're mathematically eliminated or there's a very high probability that they don't make the postseason, which could very much impact Mike Zimmer and his tenure as head coach for the Minnesota Vikings. He's had some success against Rodgers in the past. Defensively, the Vikings are still what they are. They're not what they used to be, but you still got some players that can make some noise. Michael Pierce, if he's going to play, you've got Anthony Barr, Kendrick's in the middle, uh, mm-hmm. lurking around, and, and always seems to make a couple plays against Aaron Rodgers. So I think this could end up being one of those games, with the weather being what it is, could end up being one of those games that's just closer than than what we want it to be. But Dalvin Cook is also coming off of the illness. He hasn't gotten his legs under him yet. We don't know exactly what his, his capabilities are going to be. Kenny Clark talked about coming back last week, and he ended up having to play more snaps than he was really supposed to. And he talked about how he was still tired and gassed a little bit. Will Dalvin Cook be impacted by that too? And in a very cold, frigid Lambeau field, I think all those things probably matter. So let's just talk about the, the low-hanging fruit here and, and the Dalvin Cook situation. 
Paul, we'll start with you, because as I always say, you probably have written many, many an article about it. But that's the key this weekend. If you stop Dalvin Cook, I think the Vikings are going to have a very tough time winning this game. So how do the Packers try to fare at least as well, if not better, than they did last time? Well, Dalvin Cook's one of those players, especially against a run defense that's struggling, where he's going to find success. There's no, as I say, there's no stopping him. You just try to slow him down. But Joe Barry... I'm talking to you right now, and I know you're an avid listener of Pack a Day podcast. <laughs> I'm really going to need you to turn up the aggressiveness uh-huh. this week. We're going to need some tendency breakers out there. You know, the the mo of Joe Barry's defense is take away the pass, play with the light boxes. Nope, nope, can't do that this week. Step number one should be to slow the run. That means guys closer to the line of scrimmage. Step number two, Justin Jefferson, just double team him, force Mannion to go elsewhere with the football. And number three. Blitz the heck out of Mannion. This is not a defense that blitzes a lot this year. They rank 25th in blitz rate. And that's not a knock on Barry. He hasn't had to because the defensive front has been very good at getting after the quarterback. I think that Packers rank top three, top four, and pressures generated this season. But you have an inexperienced quarterback who's a statue in the pocket. Go get after him. Go make his life as challenging as possible on Sunday. And when it comes to Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson, Ross Uglum, fellow Packaday podcaster, tweeted this out. And obviously, this is a bit of an oversimplification, but there's also a lot of validity to it as well. He said, double team Justin Jefferson and have the other nine guys focused on stopping the run game. That's what, you know, essentially, that's what this game is going to come down to. And especially over really since the last time they played Minnesota, this defense has been trending downward. And there's definitely been a more conservative nature, uh, especially in the secondary, but also when you're not playing with, or when you are playing with light boxes, there's not that necessarily concerted effort either to stop the run. They're just kind of there. And the opposing offenses have been the ones who have been dictating things. You have an inexperienced quarterback. You know what they're the one to go dictate load the box double justin jefferson blitz the heck out of Mannion. you know you make a good point paul about don't repeat past mistakes and so yeah you see these teams twice a year you can't make some of the same mistakes that they've they've been making and i guess to that point uh matt i'll kick it to you and paul i want your thoughts on this as well the last couple games you're seeing the corners playing off i think there was a third and short or a fourth and short and Russell douglas is three or four yards deeper than the line to gain. I just, I don't understand it. And, 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 you know, I know that maybe Douglas step for step is not a great corner. He's got great ball skills, but what is it that the, that the Packers are doing here? Because Jarvis Landry is a good receiver. And I know that the Ravens had some good receivers as well. You know, their tight end, it, but You've got Justin Jefferson coming in this week, who's a legitimate threat. So is this going to be more of the same? I mean, are are we going to see them so scared that he's going to beat them over the top and they're going to lose track of what it is that's going on? And and is this game going to come down to the wire? Matt, what's your take on why Joe Barry has maybe taken his foot off the gas a little bit the last couple weeks? You know, I think it's part of it was just the way that that Browns game went and you knew they were going to have to roll a line in the run game quite a bit and just you might as well just con- contain Chubb instead of letting him break one off. And I think the Packers offense didn't do themselves any favors or the defense any favors with the way that game unfolded. But I think that's just kind of the Joe Barry ideology. I don't think it's 
anything bad it's it's very bend don't break it's but at the same time you got to challenge some guys and what better week to challenge a guy like justin jefferson who who burned you earlier in the year than when he's got a different quarterback under center who you shouldn't be that worried about and paul mentioned the pressures get after the passer make Mannion have to sling the ball deep to Je- justin jefferson actually catch a pick this time darnell savage like that's if they if they come away with a couple turnovers in this game like they should have in the first matchup in minnesota it should be a favorable matchup for them. But, you know, I, w- I would hope they challenge Jeff- Justin Jefferson a little bit more. Eric Stokes got burned a couple times in that first game. Now Russell Douglas has emerged. I don't know which is a better matchup. I would probably lean towards Stokes um, just based strictly off speed. speed. Um, but, you know, that that concept that that Paul mentioned that he's trying to get our guy, uh, our, our listener, Joe Barry there, the, the, the double <laughs> on the double on Jefferson and nine guys focused on 33. That's not a bad idea, but I think if you were, if you rely on getting more pressure on Mannion and putting some pressure on that offensive line, you should be able to, to play physical at the line of scrimmage. And there's nothing more than the scenario you, you mentioned to, to lead off the question. Jason is frustrating to me in any football game, whether it's the Packers or the Badgers or whoever the hell it is, whoever I'm watching. And if you're, if you're going to give up, you know, the line, a couple yards, that's fine. But if you're giving up, you know, past the yellow line and it's just it it blows my mind that you would line up past that because all that guy has to do is run a button hook and in route out route and just fall down and basically get a first down so don't do that if you if you're up by a couple scores that's fine which could definitely be the case in this one but yeah play contested make these receivers or excuse me make these yeah make these receivers have to work adam thielen's on ir make kj osgood have to work and let your cornerbacks play let them let them challenge these receivers because they're gonna have a tougher go once they make it to the playoffs against these other receiving cores that we've all mentioned throughout the year well and if they're gonna play a little bit softer paul you mentioned something beforehand which was the pass rush and how important that is. So get after an inexperienced quarterback. And so even if your guy is open quick, he's got somebody in his face and it's not a clean throw. And we haven't really talked about the pass rush much. So once again, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, bring your A game. Kenny Clark is one more week recovered from COVID. Hopefully they can get the push up front that they need. And and I think that's going to help mitigate some of the, if Joe Barry's going to play a little bit softer, it's going to help mitigate some of that. Yeah, and I mean, on first and second down, when they're playing the soft coverage, I get it. It's Barry's defense, and that's what a lot of NFL defenses do. It's take away the big play. If you're going to score, go do it in 14 plays, not in two plays. But like you said, the you know, if it's third and five and they're seven yards back, that's the frustrating point. Obviously, I don't have an answer as to why that's the case right now. But I, I go back to the aggressiveness. I don't want to see that at all this week. You're going up against Sean Mannion. If... He connects with Justin Jefferson, 50 yards downfield. Hey, tip your cap to him. Good throw. But don't give up those easy completions because obviously that's going to be a big part of the game plan. What do what do NFL teams try to build around their inexperienced quarterback? You know, those quick passes, those easy completions. So if Green Bay is going to be playing soft, those are going to be there all day for him. You know, it's going to be up to him to make the throw at that point. But if the opportunity is there, that's what he's going to be looking to do. And when I mentioned double teaming Justin Jefferson, do what you can to try to limit his impact on the game. And if Tyler Conklin or another receiver pass catcher catches one for 25 yards, so be it. Again, force those guys, force Mannion, force Conklin, force Osgood, force them to be the ones who are going to beat you. So 
we'll see, but I, I'm just really hoping that we see this defense crank it up a few notches in terms of just their, their aggressiveness with the play style, pressing, double teaming, blitzing, all that. No Adam Thielen. Big miss on my part there. No Adam Thielen added to injured reserve. So that just that just kind of makes it a little bit easier. To your point, Paul, you know, double for Jefferson and and stack it up on Cook. You wouldn't be able to do that if Thielen was out there, but he's not. And you've got somebody throwing the football who's who's not used to throwing it. So once again, the Packers seem to have this favorable matchup on paper. They were supposed to have that last week, four interceptions later, and they still had to survive and hang on for a victory against the Cleveland Browns. And again, I know that the AFC-NFC games are a little bit strange. The Packers completed the sweep of the AFC, for, uh, which is rare. But you want to see the Packers you know, win a big game. And I think if you want to make a statement... Do what the Cowboys did to Washington last week and win a big game that you're supposed to at home and and do what what you thought you were everyone thought you were supposed to do. If if you believe in you know, I, I don't want to say momentum, but if you believe in making statements and playing your best football right now, that's why I think everybody's looking at Dallas. It was Arizona for a long time, and then it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are still very much there, and now I think the Dallas Cowboys are the team looming as far as the the top competition for the Green Bay Packers. So before we give any game predictions, I also want to mention one other return to the Packers this week that is not going to play and is still on injured reserve, but uh, Randall Cobb returned return to practice after having surgery, and that was a really nice surprise for me. I didn't know whether or not Cobb was going to be back after he had core surgery. It's just such a sensitive area to have surgery, and you know he's over 30. All those things are kind of you know playing in the, into the factors of his recovery and his ability to come back to this team, but he loves playing football. If you read the the comments from his wife that I saw on social media where just four weeks ago he couldn't even get out of bed on his own and now this guy's running routes and catching balls in practice already and he looks like he's going to have a chance to come back and join this team for a postseason run. That is a huge, huge help to the offense. Having an experienced player, one that the quarterback loves, it's just all these things seem to kind of be coming together for the Packers. They're starting to get guys back and I, I think I'm just pandering at this point because obviously we, we all love Randall Cobb and in fact, before we started recording, I was talking about one of the really cool gifts I got for Christmas this year was coasters that have the the play design of iconic plays in, in recent Packers history. And one of them is the Rodgers to Cobb in week 17 in uh, 2013 for the touchdown to beat the Bears and to secure the NFC North championship. And that's the guy that's coming back to this team. So, Paul, obviously, like I said, I'm pandering here, but adding Randall Cobb and MVS going to be back. Looks like he's going to have a chance to come back and play um, after dealing with some big time personal stuff. That's very difficult to get through and, and big, big tip of the cap to him if he's able to play on Sunday and also recovering from COVID. But the receiver room is getting healthy at a really good time. Speaking about an offense that might need a little bit of a boost. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in regards to Cobb, his numbers, they aren't die popping by any means, but it's when he's made the receptions, and it goes back to his relationship and trust with Rodgers. He has 38 targets this season. 21 of them have come on either third or fourth down. I believe, I believe he's caught 13 or 14 of them. 11 of them have gone for first downs. He only has four red zone receptions, but all of them have been touchdowns. Again, it's not necessarily the volume, but it's when those receptions occur. And as we all know, it goes back to that trust and relationship he has with Rodgers. And Matt and I talked about MVS last week. There's obviously the obvious deep threat that he brings, but with 437 speed, he's opening things up for his teammates because the attention that he draws. And his game against Baltimore is easily, easily the best of his season. 
because of what he did. It was more than just a deep ball. It was playing from the slot, intermediate routes, yards after the catch, all of that stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. You're entering crunch time, or you could say we've been in crunch time because they've had to basically win these games to hang on to that one seed. But their their receiver room is getting healthy, and the offense is, as a whole, the last three, four games really been clicking for the most part. And you add you can get Bakhtiari and Billy Turner back as well. That is just putting it all together. I joked about those guys finally playing a game together and it's going to be the NFC championship game. And even if that is the case, I'm totally fine with it. Matt, I know obviously a big Cobb fan, him coming back, MVS coming back. Aaron Rodgers is, is campaigning, you know, on an MV, another MVP campaign here. You want your dudes. You need your stable full as you're getting ready to go into the postseason. And I think having a chance to at least get in sync and practice again with those guys will really help some of that brain and muscle memory come the games that really count in January. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no better time to get healthy than right before the tournament here. Like it's it's that's what you want. You want everything to come together. I'm glad you mentioned Cobb because we kind of forgot about that and glazed over that. And that was, that's just incredible that he's able to come back. And like Paul said, stats aren't that significant from him, but it's all timing. And that chemistry you have with Aaron Rodgers, you don't see that in the stat sheet. You sometimes see it when you're watching the game live, but it's most of the time in like some highlights. You're like, holy hell, that or a coaster. It's an incredible play. So MVS coming back too. like, let's not forget. That Vikings game, he had that big touchdown at the end to, to basically tie it up, and then uh, the Vikings are able to, to win the game there. So um, everything coming together at the right time, and you just hope that they can continue to have that happen for them. Get, guys get more healthy, and it's we're kind of getting out of that stretch, it seems like, where they were every week there was a guy going down or with COVID, and we're still obviously not past COVID. It could potentially at any point impact the, the Packers and the rest of the NFL. But, yeah, it's great to get these, some of these pass rushers – or excuse me, these pass catchers back for Aaron Rodgers to you know just level up that offense if that's even possible at this point. Yeah, and Matt, stay with you. So how does this game shake out? What do you got for a final score? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last night's recording uh, for Final Dump, I had the – score i think it was 23 17 obviously i gotta switch that now with um kirk cousins being out so i'm gonna take away four points for the vikings and i thought you were gonna add some points no no no, troll troll kirk (laughs) yeah i mean i mean there is a i mean there is a chance depending if if dalvin cook goes crazy i mean that that that's saying a lot to what he can do and paul mentioned that earlier like he's one of those unique guys there's a handful of them that can change a game and dalvin could do that so i'm gonna give i'll probably stick with the packers 27 27 10 i don't know like but that seems actually ridiculous because i think it's got to be close for that i'm gonna say 27 13 even though that's not that much of a difference so i guess they would cover at this point i had them not covering last night when i did the prediction but you mentioned it too jason um any divisional game especially a vikings game it's always a lot tighter than you expect every year and i try to remind myself that even for bears games and i just you kind of forget that so probably a terrible prediction that they're gonna win by 14 but i i just don't see how the 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 packers don't execute with this uh, tandem of the running backs and i don't see how Mannion and company are able to push the ball down the field in this weather um but if you can stop 33 there there's a hell of a chance but if he can also get out and and ruin games because we've seen that happen from time to time yeah and i think 
it's uh, the, the part of it's the Zimmer effect. I mean, they they boat raced the Vikings in 2014, so it's not like they haven't ever taken care of it big time against the the Vikings. But the Packers need to come out motivated to do what you're saying that they should do, Matt. And that's kind of what I want to see as a fan to make me feel a little bit better. Paul, I'm sure you're probably sticking with the home team this week, but how do you see it shaking out? How close is it going to be? I am picking the Packers. I have them winning 24 to 16. Um, I see it being kind of close just because I still have my doubts that they're going to stop Delvin Cook. I mean, the game they won last year, last year here at Lambeau when it was super windy. I mean, Cousins didn't pass the ball a whole lot in that game. They just ran all over Green Bay. So, like I said previously, we know what they're going to do. Uh, doesn't mean it's going to be easy to stop them by any means, but the recipe to do so should be, I think, known. Um, but I just have my doubts that they'll be able to slow him. And then just in general, this offense, Packers offense, has struggled to kind of put teams away in the second half. So I think it's a game where it's, like I said, 24-16. I think that they're in control for the most part, but I don't I don't necessarily see it, be, see it being a runaway either. Although Green Bay, go prove me wrong. Yeah, go prove us wrong. Run away with it. So I've got a 27-21 score in favor of the Packers in my head. For some reason, I know 21 is a lot. But again, you have to account for the Dalvin Cook effect, the special teams effect, you know, some of those other things. And crazy stuff happens. Eric Stokes falls over again, which is how the Pack- how the Vikings scored that last touchdown. You know, those types of things. And, and can Rasul save the day? And do we get another defensive score? I'm not exactly sure. I don't really know. I don't think the Packers need it, though. They should win this game. They've got too much in front of them to let this one fall between the, the cracks. And they need to get one against the Vikings. It's been since week one of last season since they've beat them. And so it's time to get things back on track. And let's not give the Vikings fans out in Minnesota anything to cheer about or go home happy about. So I'm picking the Packers. And next week's going to be an interesting show, guys, because we don't know what the scenario is going to be. So depending on it, on what's happening and if the Packers have things wrapped up, it is going to be kind of interesting to see who plays and who doesn't play. So we'll have something fun to talk about. I'm sure we'll have some more weather. But before we do, we've got some great work that always goes on throughout the week. So, Paul, we'll start with you. Dairyland Express, Cheesehead TV, Packers Unrestricted. What do we got coming up this week? Yeah, just been previewing the game. Got a couple articles. One about the aggressiveness that we hopefully see over at Dairyland Express. At Cheesehead TV, took a look at their Packers' new practice squad edition, David Moore. He's got some punt return experience, so something to be mindful of here in the coming weeks. Um, and then, again, I have my five big questions, as I always do, heading into the game. Very good. And, Matt, final dump. We'll be out with a little bit of a recap, I'm sure, of Packers-Vikings and a look ahead to Week 18 against the Lions. Anything else coming up this week to look forward to? No, that's about it. I guess we're also trending into, instead of a weather show, a weather you know podcast, we're, we're the holiday show. We got the, th- we got the, uh, the Christmas, Christmas one, show, then we got the New, the New Year's Day one. Like I was looking th- through my calendar here. Where there's not too many other holidays, but I'm sure we'll step in if necessary on like, I don't know, a, a 4th of July or a St. Patrick's Day. But um, and then next week, like you mentioned, it's going to be it's everything's going everyone's going to be on pins and needles to kind of figuring out what they're going to do. And everyone's going to be deciphering in the uh, the press 
press conferences from Lafleur to what Aaron Rodgers says, depending on how the weekend goes between Arizona and Dallas with this game. And we're all going to try to figure out what the hell does it look like? Are these guys that we mentioned going to come and play week 18? And how do the starters play? So we're all going to be deciphering. So uh, you can check that out, obviously, on Final Dump and everything on Packaday Podcast. There's just a lot to get to uh, this next week. Yeah, quick slants will be out on Monday. Recap of Packers Vikings on Sunday night. And then again on Thursday, a preview of week 18 and the playoff picture for the Green Bay Packers because they are going to the playoffs. Can't say the same thing for the Minnesota Vikings. And if the Packers win this game this weekend, it looks like Minnesota could be making tea time. So everybody, hope you had a really safe New Year's. Your year is off to a really good start. It has to be. You started your, your day off or at some point, listen to the Pack-A-Day podcast will be back at it again next Saturday. In the meantime, everybody, as always, stay warm, stay safe, and go Pack Go. Go.